My guest this week is Alison Humphreys, Managing Director of Pro Recruitment, a boutique recruitment firm specialising in tax, finance, HR uh, and partner level professionals across various sectors. Alison and I are going to talk about her journey, a personal journey to becoming MD of this uh, fantastic business and also the journey of the business itself. Uh, it's gone through an MBO. We're also going to touch on some of the principles that have underpinned its success, how they've created a culture of trust, and also some thoughts around how potentially we can all think a little bit differently about women returning to work after after mat leave. Some really interesting insights into running a, a, a recruitment business. Enjoy it. Very good morning and welcome to this week's TRN podcast and welcome to my guest today, Alison Humphreys, who is Managing Director of the Pro Recruitment Group. Thank you for joining us, Alison. You're welcome. Nice to be here. Um, so we're going to chat uh, We're going to chat about your journey, about the business you run, what you learn about leadership and uh, all sorts of things. And we'll, we'll see where the conversation goes. For those people who aren't uh, familiar with you or the... Or the um, Pro Recruitment Group. Do you want to just give us a little bit of background to your personal story to the, that um, that brought you here? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so um, Pro was set up back in 2007 um, by um, three of my ex-colleagues. They actually initially set up ProTax. Um, the, um, the, the tax part of our business is what the foundations were built on, basically. Um, we've since... Um, diversified and done other bits and pieces. But in essence, we place tax professionals and uh, qualified accountants into professional services firms from big four right down to small independent boutiques. Um, we are almost 30 people. We've been going for 15 years now. Um, and yeah, that, that's about it, really. Your personal journey, you've been... Um... You've been uh, recruitment through and through, haven't you? Yep. So I left school when I was 18, um, got straight into recruitment. So I turned 40 last week. So that's 22 years I've been wow. in recruitment, which is just really daunting. And let me um, guess, let me guess you stumbled into recruitment. Absolutely. Do <laughs> um, you know what? Uh, interestingly, one of my friends, I went to a house party when I was like 14, 15, one of my mum's friends. Yeah. It was his house party. He had a Porsche on the drive. And I was like, Mum, what does he do? And she was like, I was in recruitment. I was like, I think I might do that. Um, I still don't have a Porsche. <laughs> <laughs> no, fantastic. But you joined, when you joined um, Pro um, back in uh, 2008, I think, The uh, you joined as a consultant. You're now MD. Uh -huh. uh, just talk us through that journey because that's um, – yeah, so joined as a consultant. I was probably, I think I was the fifth employee that Pro um, took on. And um, I switched. I started off doing audit recruitment, moved into tax recruitment. That was my first uh, thing joining Pro. Uh, very quickly established that they needed to do. Um, they needed to do a few things better joining three guys that had set up their business. They were doing quite a few things that I wanted, they were, they were lacking in things and I wanted to put things into place. So very quickly, I started to take the lead, um, started billing well, progressed to senior consultant. Um, then they wanted to bolt on people around me. Um, 
I was putting processes in place. I was reaching out to suppliers to, you know, we got bullhorn, um, you know, putting things on the system. And I, I suppose I was just getting the business fit for growing, I suppose. Um, they made me a manager. Um, then I got to senior manager because the team was billing well, I was billing well. Then they wanted to bring me on to do something else in the business. So I was told to run a different part of the business. Now I was senior manager. And actually, I was um, at that point, I started uh, thinking, actually, I could, I could I could have a slice of this business myself. Um, if I'm going to be billing so much money and making so much money for the business, I, I want to be doing it for me. Um, I knocked on the door of the three directors and said, I, I want him. Um, and they said, well, let's get you ready for it. And I went on a... Um, a program that helped me develop um, through, I suppose, just every week going out, thinking about other ways in which we could do the business. Um, I very quickly became a director and um, I had plenty of targets put in place, but I've got my first equity, um, I think, eight years ago now um, when I started to become an equity shareholder. Actually, the last five years has been probably the most um, progressive in terms of a change. So the, the first few years, it was, it, was, it was a slow burner. But as soon as I got equity, um, the direction at the top started to change. The three people that were leading the firm started to become that little bit older and started to want different things. Um, and I knew that it was it was up for grabs even more. Um, and then Pat, um, my previous co-owner, um, said that he wanted out and we started to look at how we wanted to do this and he said well firstly I need to put you in my position because if the business doesn't run without me I can't sell it so he made me MD um, and actually he made me MD, MD when I came back off maternity leave mm-hmm. and uh, four months later I was pregnant again <laughs> and he was like ah okay um, but um, I managed to continue to run the business whilst being pregnant because you can do it um, and um, went off on maternity leave. And three weeks after having my baby, we started talking about an MBO. And uh, I spent my maternity leave basically structuring an MBO with Pat and the three directors I had in place. And um, we completed on it last June. Which was absolutely fantastic. You, you had a busy year last year, didn't you, with uh, MBOs and, 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 uh, and children? The, yeah. Um, a couple of things you touched on that I'm interested in, because m- most of our members, I guess, uh, have quite often started out themselves and grown with the business. A lot of members equally like the idea of an MBO, uh, handing handing over to the team that are growing. What? Um, so two questions for you. Firstly, when you talked about a program that you went on and you developed yourself from a clearly a very successful consultant to being a leader in the business to being the MD, what did you learn about developing people, um, giving them leadership capability? And what specifically did you do that gave you the confidence and the skill set to um, do the role as you do today? Um, I think I changed a lot. I changed a lot of, about what the business was being done, but also I, the, the owners had a lot of trust in me to be able to change a lot of the business. And I would go to them with an idea, but it was the idea of we need to do this because if we don't do this with our business – then we're not gonna we're not gonna scale, and I think I was quite lucky because the the owners are really happy for just to let me get on with it. Sometimes owners have got so much control that um, you you can't actually you can't change the business, and it's always going to be like them. And I used to sit in meetings with fellow 
people like me and they're saying yeah but you know we, we can't you know we're all sat there as future leaders and they were like yeah but they won't relinquish that to me and I can't do this and they want to do it this way and I felt their pain I didn't have that struggle you know my owners trusted me um and, and wanted me to wanted me to change wanted me to work hard and I think it was because I was just a grafter and everything I did I put 100% into so I would do it and I bought three or four people who were managing teams along with me. And I said, look, we'll do it. You don't have to do anything. We'll go and do this for you. And then we'd make it a success and they'd sort of have to listen to us. Mm. So that, 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 that whole piece, and again, I've had conversations with members who, who like the idea of that journey of, of really obviously working out the who and then investing in those people and making sure they've got the capability. Because he used the word trust a couple of times. And... Um, unless you've got that trust and you're able to equip the people with the confidence, then it's not going to happen, is it? No, exactly. Yeah. And the other thing, um, and just one other final thing on that, if you, the the sort of lessons you learned about having gone through the MBO process, are there any sort of um, reflections or top tips that that you'd give to anybody who's thinking about going down that route? Um, I think for me, get advisors like accountants and lawyers in, yeah. Um, sooner yeah. sooner rather than later yeah. Um, yeah because actually they have they do it day in day out and they have better ideas of how something is structured than you do um and what you have is you have the seller who want, has got all different ideas in their mind and the buyers going well we don't know whether that's you know good bad and different and actually as soon as our accountants and lawyers come in whatever we discussions we'd had with the seller us as buyers to the seller, they were all scrapped because they just said, well, have you thought about doing this? We were like, oh, can you do that? Yes, that's what everyone does. We were like, ah, okay. So actually we wasted three months talking amongst ourselves about what we thought was a good structured deal. Um, And it was all ripped up and put in the bin as soon as we started speaking to our accountants and lawyers. So I'd heavily advise getting those specialists in at the beginning to help you structure the deal and stop talking buyer to seller direct because there's emotion in it there's relationships in it and you've got to take that out and serious subjectivity yeah now i I love that and and i quite agree and and it's it's funny you know paying professional service fees is something we all sort of resent potentially but uh every every time you do it properly it's worth it isn't it Um, you know we, we um ours were expensive but couldn't have done it without them they hold your hand throughout the whole process yeah yeah absolutely no love it so let's talk about uh i know you're fairly passionate about what recruitment should be and 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 you've got some very passionate thoughts about uh, how to run a great business when when it when it sort of comes to the business um your, your business and, and what you've been building where you are now and how you see it moving forward what do you think sort of underpins the success of your business and a successful recruitment business Um, what would you never compromise for us the foundations of our business are um i I want to say the right answer is our ethics our trust our honesty um and all the values that we live by because actually but it it sounds a bit cheesy right But 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 that that really is important to us but from a practicality point of view um process and best practice and systems um uh, you can't scale a business without it um anyone who thinks it's admin is missing a trick um it is it is the fundamental part of your business and if you don't have 
a system in place, if you don't have processes in place and you don't have best practice and lead by it, um, and you can put it in place, but if you don't inspect what you expect, it's, it's all that goes goes out the window. Um, and everyone's got to buy into it. It's got to be systems, got to be viable. Um, and yeah, our foundations are built on systems, process, procedure, and best practice. Love it, love it. Which isn't all, always what excites people, but if consistency matters, if reputation matters, then it's all going to be underpinned by, by process, isn't it? I was with a um, Wednesday, I was over in Galway in West of Ireland with a member of ours who's got a beautiful business, 60 strong. And um, the chairperson who's been involved for the last 25 years was just getting excited about process, just talking about process and culture and, and, and all these basic things. I, I see I see very little real innovation, but I, where I see businesses doing things like the culture better than anyone else, which is probably the only unique thing we've really got, and really getting that culture of, of discipline around the processes, then you've got a great business. Love it. Love it. Culture, and culturally, has, uh, I, I'm guessing it's evolved a lot in the last 15 years since you've been part of it. Massively. Um, we've gone, I think we've gone full circle. Um, we started out as a business of very experienced and talented recruiters that all build very highly um, and knew the market and had a good network and good knowledge of what they were doing. Um, as my previous chairman wanted to grow, um, we lost a bit of that, but it wasn't a bad a bad thing to lose. You know, the journey that we went on to bring on new, fresh talent actually was exciting and it um, it helped take our culture into a different direction. It was really exciting. It, it was really um, interesting. It's helped us all and we've all learned lots from it. Mm. Um, but COVID um, has done a lot for us. COVID meant that we had to change our business and anyone that couldn't make a fee um, unsupervised um Unfortunately, it wasn't wasn't going to be a pro. Um, we've now come full circle, and we're now a team of experienced recruiters who all know, know their network, have got the knowledge, um, and can you know can make money. And most of our business has gone from thinking probably ten years ago we were majority twenty five to thirty year olds, and ten years on we're majority thirty five to fifty year olds. Okay. Um, I would say 80% of my staff have been with me five years plus. Um, and we're we're back to the old pro. How have you, um, and what do you put that uh, loyalty and engagement down to? Oh, apart from brilliant leadership, obviously. Trusting people. Yeah. As soon as you give people trust, the right people, um, they don't, they don't take the piss. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> They, um, you know, they feel like you trust in them, so they actually want to work with you. Um, they don't, they don't want to take the piss. They don't want to be um, doing things they shouldn't be doing. And actually, everyone's grown up a bit. Everyone's got mortgages to pay, mouths to feed, you know, dogs to walk. But you know, we're all in a, a, a little bit of a later stage at life, and and you know, we're no longer twenty. Um, we're all thirty something. This is our career, so it's really serious, actually. So what's your view on uh, taking on some people in their early 20s? Fine to do it. They just need to know what they're walking into. Um, so uh, we're really happy. We've, we've taken on, took on three uh, people in their early 20s last year. Um, but they probably had a different mindset to, um, to people in their 20s we were recruited 10 years ago. Um, again, they're all that little bit older in their mindset. They've got responsibilities. 
um, you know, and people who come to us saying that they want, you know, a group of friends straight away and the social aspect of recruitment, we can't offer that. We, we don't offer it. We, mm. we do once a quarter, um, but we don't three times a week like we used to. Um, and so you know, people need to have their own set of friends. They need to have their own families. They need to have other things going on in their life other than work because that's what we have at the moment. That's our culture. And I guess once they walk into the environment that you've created and where you've got long, long-serving people who, who get it and want it and like it, then expectations are set from day one a little bit about the way, way you do things. Exactly. Yeah. Um, we tell them the type of people who are working here before they step in that door. Yeah. Well, just and just in terms of the, when you think externally with clients and candidates and your position in the marketplace, what do you think has underpinned your success the last 15 years? And I guess you're going to say people trust us and we've got great process and systems, but is there anything else in terms of the way that you've established yourself in your, in your uh, areas of focus? Um, I think our market is small. Um, and because we've got a small market, you you stand out as either being really good or really bad. <laughs> um, and I'm sure at many stages throughout the 15 years, we've stood out as being both. <laughs> um, I hope, given the fact that we're still in business, we're doing things the right way. Um, I think the longevity of the type of people we recruit. Um, I'm always quite flattered. A lot of our um, a lot a lot of our consultants at Pro, if they leave, they go to our clients. Mm. And I'm always quite flattered by that because people know that if they work for pro, they're trained well and and ultimately they're a nice person. So a lot of people who have left us have gone on to work for our clients and develop their careers that way. Um, But I I think because it's a small business, we've been able to really – because it's a small market, we've been able to really penetrate that market and become really good. And we've we've recognised that it's a small market and you can blossom in a small market. It's not saturated. Okay, and and your sort of confidence levels, irrespective of the uh, short, sharp, shallow recession that we're we're probably going to head into in the UK, what's your sort of your feel and optimism for for your business, and and why? Um, I am quite optimistic. I think the market that we work in, if um, when things go wrong financially in the economy, um, people turn to their accountants and their tax advisors even more so. So when things go wrong financially, our clients, our practice and professional services clients are called on and they're busy. And people need their advice. People want their advice. And people want to toe the line from a financial perspective. So our clients are always busy and still recruiting. Um, Also, there's always there's also there's always new things in tax. Tax is becoming such a huge um, chat in the boardroom now as well. So um, the people need expertise in that area. And so our business is actually quite buoyant at a time when people are struggling financially. Mm. Love it. What, from a leadership point of view, obviously you, you, you're MD of the business now, you've got, um, you've got 30 people. What, what have you sort of learned from a leadership point of view? You've talked about creating the right culture and establishing good process and systems to underpin the way the business is run. But from a leadership of people point of view, what, what are the, the sort of big learnings when you reflect on what you do instinctively now? I think that um, one of the biggest things is, um, actually, I learned this from a guy called uh, Roger Fagg. Have you heard of Roger Fagg? I know Roger Martin Fagg. 
Roger Martin Fagg, that's the one. The Economist, yeah, um, the Economist. And he, he, taught, he taught me that what employees really want is to be treated fairly. Um, and actually, that, that is, that's a huge part of what um, we do at Pro, is we treat people very fairly. Um, and, and that's a huge thing for us, but also treating people as you want to be treated mm. and, and being a person with them, um, as opposed to sometimes always being their boss. You don't, you don't need to be a boss. You don't need to stamp your authority. Mm. You don't need to control things. Um, sometimes you have to let things slide mm. and um, you have to pick your backers as well. Love it. If you think back to the journey um, of your last 15 years with Pro and you think back about some of the things you might have done differently, because I, I, I love a bit of reflection, <laughs> what, what we might have learned that, that we might be able to share, what are some, one or two of the things that maybe looking back, you said if we'd done that differently, that would have made the journey even better? Oh, we've made so many mistakes. <laughs> hey, me too, me too. <laughs> um, we, do you know, we when we started out with ProTax, um, the vision was that we would maybe do ProFinance or ProAudit or something else. Um, we took that vision to an extreme and we started things like ProEducation, ProMarketing, ProHR, and they never lifted off the ground. And it's because we didn't understand it. As leaders, we we didn't know what the, we didn't understand those markets, so they never worked. Mm. And for us, I think one of the biggest mistakes we made was diversifying too much. I think if I was to start out again, it, I would stick to my knitting and be an mm. expert in what I really know. Um, so that that is that is the, the big thing that stands out for me is I wasted all that money, all that time, promised those people who came in to do those brands and work their socks off to do it, but just never lifted because we didn't, as owners, we didn't know how to support it. Yeah, yeah. No, I love that. Love that. Okay, and um, you, the business today. What are you? What are you most proud of? Um, when you when you go away on a, on a holiday and you think about your business, what are you most proud of about the business? What do you most love about what you do? Cliche, isn't it? But it's the people that work for me. Yeah. Um, yeah. So they've all been here for such a long time. Um, we've got a pro family and. I'm most proud of seeing all of them grow. Um, I had a consultant in January. He started with me. He used to be a bin man, and he mm. started with me as an associate consultant seven years ago, and he got promoted to associate director in January. And that mm. is a, that's such a huge story for us. Such a buzz, yeah. yeah. No, I do love that. I had a coffee um, back, in, back before Christmas with the first person I ever employed as a 17,000... HR admin person and I knew she was too good for too good for the business our business at the time uh, I managed to keep her two years anyway she she's just retired her last gig was HR director at Bentley Motors wow. and, um, and, and I, I it was just a real thrill I'm a real thrilled just to have shared some of her journey and um, um, just to see those people flourish so I totally get that I think that's it. You know, we've got people that have left us and um, because because they were too good for our business in the role that they were in. Mm. And they've gone on to be, you know, real superstars in what they're doing now. It's wonderful to, to see and watch. And I think um, one of the other things that we've been able to get at Pro, because we are such a family, is um, looking at people who've bought their first house because of the amount of, you know, bonuses they've earned and looking at people who have got wives and husbands from working at Pro and meeting at Pro and people have got children 
because they've met people at Pro. So it's just it's such a so nice to see that we've built such a lovely um, group of people and we've put people together that have found their way in life. It's really nice. And can I talk just touch on that because you are um, like many industries, there is a disproportionate number of male recruitment business leaders, and I, and I, I launched a women in uh, a mentoring program for women in recruitment a few a few years ago pre COVID. Which, which was really instigated. But if I look at our, our network, we've got some utterly amazing women business leaders uh, running recruitment businesses. But, um, you know, you're, you're, you've just come up, come back from Matt Lee a few months ago. What, what, do you, what do you think that recruitment businesses can do a little bit differently and better maybe to uh, enable uh, more women to sit around the top table if they want it? Um, you've made it work. I think trust the women want to come back to work. <laughs> um, yeah, well, I've got um, three returning months to work um, over the next couple of months and in the last couple of months. Mm. And actually, um, some of my um, some of my colleagues who are male um, sit around the board table and say, "Oh, I don't think she'll come back. You know, it might be too hard for her to come back. She's got two now." Um, and I'm sat there thinking. She can't wait to come back. She's got two. <laughs> and it's the, it's the <laughs> mentality of actually, you know, you might think that all we want to do is sit around and look after our ch- children and our babies. We don't. Um, it can be as boring as you think it could be. And actually, sometimes we can't wait to palm them off to nursery, which sounds awful. But I think it's quite a brave thing to say that actually um, being a parent is, is a lot harder than being a director at work. Mm. And Coming to work is a break for most women who are returning from maternity leave because your mind goes dumb, dumb, and you you, you don't exercise your brain in the way that you've wanted to, uh, you have done for the last 10 or 15 years. And so I think mentally, um, females and males who think, you know, oh, it must be really hard for people to come back to work needs to shift that and realise that actually a lot of people want to come back to work and they Mm. want to be allowed to come back full time and they want to be pushed on and um, they want to be challenged because they don't want to be a full time mum. And so actually, if you if the expectation is you're coming back, aren't you? You Mm. know, please, please come back. We're counting on you to come back. We haven't got to go and hire anyone, have we? Mm. And actually um, showing that you want parents back in your business, shift of mentality is really important. Yeah, really interesting. Yeah, and, and there's certainly a, in some place and in some minds, an unconscious or conscious or assumed bias or, or understanding of uh, of what people think. Yeah, no, that's really interesting. No, I love I love that. Um, if I just a couple of quick ones to finish off. If you think about, I'm always interested in what who's inspiring people. Is there a business out there that particularly inspires you? You obviously hang out with some pretty big businesses, uh, and it might be to do with clients or, or, or somebody completely different. And secondly, a business leader that um, particularly inspires you, not necessarily business, it might be in sport or life. Who's, who's inspiring you as we head into 2023? Um, okay, so company was a really difficult one for me, actually, Gordon. Um, but... We have just started working with a charity called Child Bereavement UK. And um, last week, their um, 
their representative came down and did a presentation to everyone at Pro in our kickoff meeting. Mm. And it was the most inspiring thing ever. Um, this guy clearly loves what he's doing. They get no funding from the government whatsoever. And um, what they do is absolutely phenomenal. And I know that when you just punt a charity name out of there, people think, oh, charity, yeah, great, perfect. Let's." Get... But the, what these guys do, um, and uh, with very little money, um, and how they help people, and it's very close to our heart, but how they help people transform lives, mm. just they do it for the love of it because they want to help people. And, um, yeah, as a business, they they have very little money, very little funds, and what they do is phenomenal. And I think, actually, if you've got passion about something, you can go and do something. I suppose that inspires me. Yeah, love it. Person? Person. Um, oh, here we go. Shout out to Hayes. Um, uh, Lorraine Twist, is was, she was my first ever boss, um, but she's also, she's my best mate. Um, I absolutely love her. She has inspired me to become a very strong female. She's a very strong female. Um, and she's she's basically, she's, she's a main competitor of mine because she's director at Hayes, at Hayes doing what I do, but for them. Um, mm-hmm. But we, we rarely talk work. Um, she's a phenomenal business leader and she's very good at giving advice and putting things logically and she's very calming Um, but if you met her you wouldn't think that but she is very calm in person and um, she makes me think differently calms me down and um, puts other people's points of view so that I actually listen to them and uh, she's she's definitely a go-to for me love it Lorraine Twist I hope you're listening to this um (laughs) Alison, that's been absolutely brilliant. Thank you for taking the time out to join us and sharing your your, your story. Uh, love the business you built. Can't wait to see where you go in the next couple of years um, after everything you did last year. And uh, we'll um, we'll speak again soon. Thanks, Gordon. Great to talk. Don't forget to follow the TRM podcast on Spotify or Apple Podcasts for a new exciting episode every week.